Welcome to the Our Safe Harbor Church podcast. Here you can listen to our Sunday sermon, Monday morning message, and midweek Bible study. We hope you will consider subscribing, sharing, leaving a review, but please be sure to check out our website at www.OurSafeHarbor.com to learn more about us and find ways to get involved. Our Safe Harbor Church, we are with you wherever you are. Hello, church. We are, we are really appreciative. Um, the numbers this week of people who watched really popped through the roof, and that was very nice, just very great. Please share this with others, because other people need to hear this. There are, um, there are ways to lead into what we're doing today, and last week was, was a real challenge to folk. This week won't be as challenging. Next week will be more challenging. Heads up. And, uh, we have to do some hard work. Because if we don't, you can end up in a very bad place. I'll explain. This week, a group of men in Pakistan broke into a jail and grabbed a prisoner and took him out and beat him and then hung him. The crime of which he was um, suspected only was that he had defaced some pages in the Quran. We've heard this before. There was a false media story years ago that some of the guards in Guantanamo had defaced a, uh, a Quran, and there were riots around the world, and people died before it was found out that the reporter had made it up and the other, um, other papers had said it. Now, why would they react such a way? It is because to them... There is no space between, or difference from, between uh, of, their, of Allah, their God, and their book. This is an, if this was a Quran, it would be the exact representation of Allah. Now, therefore, to do anything bad to their book is to do it to God. And they are so inflamed with anger at that, but now maybe you can understand a little bit more why. Because it just isn't a book to them. It is an avatar. And that's, that's the correct term for it. It is the exact representation of their God. Many Christians feel that this Bible is the same. They would never phrase it quite that way. What they do is they will say, every single word was dictated by God, written down by faithful men, and then delivered to us perfect in every way. I would suggest to you that there is nothing perfect in every way except for the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Any contact with humanity changes things. Any contact with us actually changes the universe. And I'm not going to go into the quantum physics of this right now. But when you observe a phenomena in the subatomic world, you change it. When it is unobserved, it works one way, and when it's observed, it works another way. And don't go all woo about it. It's just, we don't know the mechanism, but there's a mechanism. It's not spooky, and it's not magic. But this is a gift, no question at all. But let's talk about the dangers of bibliolatry, where we would turn this into an idol. There are displays in people's homes. I don't see them much anymore. And you overseas have probably never seen them. 
um, because America at one time was a very intensely religious nation. And in fact, whenever you go on YouTube and you watch people from these other countries coming to visit here, if they come from Western Europe, one of the things they just are stunned about is religion is everywhere because they're not used to it. Well, it used to be you could walk into a house and there'd be the family Bible on the coffee table. And my hands are like this because it was big. It was never meant to be moved. It actually wasn't meant to be read. It was meant to be displayed as this is who we are. Not, nothing wrong with that except you might want to get one to read. And almost all of the people did. But also it's where you'd record births and deaths and transitions, right? Which is a wonderful gift to give to your generations following. But here it is as a display, and I'm always wondering, okay, are we allowed to touch it and use it? And I think we always were in any place that I was, but every now and then I get an email. Now, if you sent me one of these emails, you need to hear that I think it's an honest and a good question, and I know where it comes from in your heart. Uh, nothing here is intended to uh, ridicule or condescend. But I, about once or twice a year, I still get emails from somebody saying, my Bible is worn out. That's a good thing. They've read it so much. They've made so many notes in it. In fact, I've seen people where there's so many notes. I'm like, where, where are the words? Where are the words? But it just shows they're intensely studying it, but it's falling apart. And they say, how do you discard of a, a Bible? Well, in the United States, there, there are rules about disposing of a flag. And most countries, by the way, don't have these kind of rules. If you go on a cruise ship and they've got all the different nations up there at night when they pull them in, they're pulling them in and just letting them lay on the deck. And the U.S. You know, and, and U.S. citizens will sometimes do a little jerk there. Uh, but other countries don't look upon it as an avatar of the nation or as a symbol of the nation as Americans do. And you know, to me, I, I love the rituals. I love the folding. I love the way it's done. I love the song at, you know, played at night. I love all of that. But what about this? Well, let's pull back just a minute. There is nothing more important than getting reality right. Nothing. And we live in a world right now where you'll hear people say, well, this is my truth. Sorry. You don't have any. You cannot make claims upon the universe. The universe decides what the universe is going to do. And God, the creator... He decides that. But you don't get to create a truth. You can say, I like this better. But to, play, to say, this is my truth, well, then show me your evidence for your truth. And some people will say, well, that's very old-fashioned, modern. Well, it, it is also the only set of rules that work in the universe. If I say 2 plus 2 is 12, and that's my truth, there are people in this world right now media on down that would say, well, we have to respect that. No, you don't. What if I'm going to build your bridge? You're going to need some rule. Getting reality right. What you believe matters. It might be the only thing that, believe, that, it, that matters. Your beliefs sharpen every decision, and they determine every decision. They shape and mold every aspect of your life from morning to night. 
from your career path to your decision to marry or not marry, to your decision to have children or not have children, to take a flight, to buy a meal, to make an investment. Every choice you make is largely determined by ideas that are rolling around in your head. So having the right ideas and having a foundation of reality is critical. And it's critically important to understand well and truly before we can advance where we have to go in talking about how to be Christians in the here and now. In our climate, we are so divided. And you might think, well, we're divided over left and right. It is far more complicated than that. It is tribalistic in its, um, in its insane desire for loyalty above facts. To the point where we separate in other areas. And you can look for these online. Always check your sources two or three times. But they've done graphs of who buys Subarus and Priuses versus who buys Ford 150s and who buys Toyota Highlanders as opposed to who buys Corvettes. And you will see that it clumps around. Just set that one over here. Now, who watches these news channels, who watches those new channels, who watches both, and who watches none. Get that, set that aside. Now, who shops at Target versus Walmart? Sorry, you overseas. Um, I know you've got Aldi, and I don't know the other names. Uh, Canadian Tire, I know that one. You know, what, the, other, the other one, Canadian Tire, is not just tires. It's, it's big. Um, all of the, whatever it is, what stores do you shop? And then make that. And lay all three over, and there are clusters. The ones who buy these cars watch these news outlets and go to these stores. And you can do a fourth one on TV, entertainment, movies, and like, and music. Lay it over, and it matches. Which means that your neighbor who disagrees with you on this has sources of information that you've never listened to, and they've never listened to yours. They don't shop in your stores. Division. Why? Because they have ideas in their head and it shapes every decision that's made. Reality. We got to get it right. We got to check our sources and see if what we believe mirrors reality. Now, I've told this story to the people at the soundstage. Uh, a lot of them knew me earlier, and a lot of you have been listening for 30 years, you know, online or via cassette ministries uh, and CD ministries. And so you've heard this story, but we have a lot of new people every week. And I don't have to even try to define a lot, you know, three to 300, who have never heard this story. So I'm going to make it brief. I don't know how they ever heard of my father's name, but somebody in Jackson Hole, Wyoming, that was starting a church, wanted my dad to come and preach a meeting. We'd never been to the American West. This was an amazing trip, uh, even though it was in summer and my dad felt like using air conditioning would give him worse mileage. We, we made it across, and we camped along the way there and back, and they held uh, worship in a VFW hall, which I thought was amazing and probably sinful because of the light of the beer signs on here. I kept thinking, are you really sure? Did we sanctify this place? You know, I know we're, I know we're not Catholics, but I think a little holy water wouldn't hurt right now, but... I was a teen, a very young teen, maybe even just 12. I don't remember that. But I do remember we spent a date 
uh, they were going to lead us up one of the Tetons. Now, get out of your mind anything to do with carabiners and uh, belaying ropes and such. This one you walked up. You know, sometimes you'd have to lean forward, but that was about it. And we came up to a point where we walked, we entered a park. Now, a park, in talking mountain terms, is a meadow-like area on a mountain. And entered it, and there is this amazing rushing glacial uh, stream. I don't think we'd call it a river. Just shooting past us. And people started filling up their canteens. We didn't have Yetis back then. It was a more primitive time. And so they, they would fill up their Yetis or they'd just get down and take drinks. And I'm standing there going, because God wired me different from birth. And I almost expect to hear an amen from my mother sitting back here. Um, amen and God help us and bless your heart. All of those would come out. And I was thinking, how do you know that's okay? And they were going, Patrick. You know, it was almost shaming. This is coming from a glacier on top of a mountain. It's the purest water you will ever taste. And I just kind of went, no, no, not yet. So we walked on. It was only a few hundred yards before we rounded a corner. And there was another park. The stream coming through it. Cattle were there. Some of them in the stream. Adding to the volume of the stream. <laughs> and the people around me started turning a little green. And I looked at him and I said, you drank too soon. Check your sources. And I've done that all my life. My wife has said that if I see a loose thread, someone's losing a sweater. I'm going to find the source. I want it, I'm, it, I'm a data hound. It is what I do. When we listen to gossip or a complainer or a murmurer without checking sources and checking facts, when we share memes on social media without double-checking, triple-checking, and quadruple-checking to see if they are true and honest, whenever we share rumors on social media, or whenever we listen to someone and adopt their attitude about something without checking to see who told you that. That's a whole Monday morning messages for nearly two years. Who told you about this? Then who told them, and then who told them? You, all of a sudden... You link arms with somebody and you don't know if you're in the right place because you didn't check. What you believe matters. We, when we choose a side, any side, in any conflict and declare it to be the right and true side, we'd better be right. I, I like history. Um, I, you might, I guess I could say I love history. I read a lot of it. And one of the things that is just, it's predictable, is that on, in almost every battle, both sides think God is with them. And that's whether it's a field in the Napoleonic Wars or whether it is in World War I or whether it is between a couple in their house. Both think God is with them. But reality and truth, we got to find where that is. And by the way, I know something about psychology and psychology tells us, and they are correct, emotions always trump truth. Emotions always trump facts. And that is why when politicians talk to you and want to win you over, they don't do, here's the data. Instead, they go, here's a single mother, here's her story. They go for emotions, and both sides can do that. All, I'm saying both, like there are only two political ideas in the world. All sides can do that. But make sure that what you're saying fits reality. Now, this next one hurts a bit. My, my grandson, my oldest grandson, is a basketball phenom. 
He just is. Uh, 13 years old, he's 5'11", size 13 feet. Yeah. So, um, you know, he, he, he's a giant, but he's our giant. We love him. Well, on, in his middle school, they decided he's way too good to be junior varsity, and so immediately shoved him into the varsity team, which wasn't good. For the first time, he went through a whole season. He had to be on a losing team. They won a couple, but others, they were shellacked. And it's important to learn how to lose. I get all that. I get all that. That's not the point. The point is, they have cheerleaders. And cheerleading, I'm not going to diss it. I just don't understand it. I'm not really sure. Okay. But they, they get out there. And the cheerleaders have a certain set of cheers that they've learned and practiced on. And they do them very well. But they're not accurate. You know, they would say, S-U-N-S-E-T, sunset is the one to beat. No. Not really. They're very beatable this year. Next year, maybe not. But then they'd sing about being number one. Hmm. Not accurate. And every, every game through the, se- the, the whole season, I'm sitting there just going, I would adjust this. You know, they're trying hard. You know, something like that. <laughs> Next year will be better. You know, please come again. You know, something like that. I thought, I thought that would be brilliant and capture the whole crowd. But um, then again, um, I, I was born a little different. So, who are you cheering for? Are you cheering in reality and fact? Our Monday morning messages have been all about this for a year. And many of you have found out that as you've walked through and found many of the things you believed about our book and about our God and about our life and about reality we're not sourced in truth. And it's unnerving. It is, in a word, deconstructing. But we aren't leaving you in a field of rubble. We want you to understand there is a firm foundation for our faith. We have to, if we are wise, we have to spend our entire lives sorting through our ideas and change our minds as we go. Adding Dropping, adopting. Why is it then that so many Christians believe that they must hold on to a certain set of ideas and hold on to them even when they're not working anymore? I don't know, except for this. Their beliefs have become their identity. It doesn't matter if it's real or not. It's their identity. And if they change their beliefs, what will happen to their identity? And I don't say that lightly because I went through hell backwards and the combine machine and spit out the other end and I've had to process all of this as well and God's not done with me sadly I wish I just I wish I had a vision in the night that said you're good now that's not going to happen it isn't one of the most frequent subjects I have to deal with when emails come through is I used to believe that but after your lesson what can I believe in now and that breaks my heart Because I don't want to do that to you. But here's the answer. The answer is always and only. Jesus Christ is the son of God. Who came to earth to save us. He taught us. He died for us. He was resurrected on the third day. Therefore defeating death for all. And now he intercedes for us. That's reality. That's truth. That's the foundation. That's what you hold to. And you never let it go. 
And if you're wondering, well, how, do, how will that affect my life? Are you kidding? You have two big laws now. There are 600 in the Old Testament, and that seems like a lot. But these two, will, will, they'll keep you busier than all of that. Love God and love everyone like you love yourself. Don't, don't do that, by the way. Some of you are going, I don't really love me. Really? But you, you make sure that you, you feed yourself the food you like and that you go to the places you like. And so don't even do that. Love God, love all. And he says, here's your foundation. Move forward. His birth was announced with peace on earth, goodwill to men. And as he died on the cross, he said, Lord, do not forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's who you follow. He is our shepherd. He is our center. He is our peace. And how do we know that that is true? Well, we rely upon revelation. There are ways of revelation that we need to talk about. To to know God, you have to come into contact with him. Generally speaking, people have come into contact with him through two different ways. General revelation. General revelation is what Paul was talking about in Romans 1, but it is found in many other places where you can see God through creation. You can see the awe of the sunrise. If you don't like that, the awe of the sunset. Uh, or you can watch the sunrise running backwards. You, but the whole point is you can, you can be in awe of the, of the universe. The more we see how weird and big and complex our universe is, the more I believe. It's not like, well, Earth's just a tiny, insignificant little speck. Yeah, isn't that cool? And yet Jesus came here. People say, well, why would he not go anywhere else? I don't know where he's been. I just know what he did here. And I can't get to those other earths. They'll say, they're only three billion light years away. I'm busy. I'm not going to get there. But the reality is, we see him in creation. We hear him in babies' laughs. We we see him revealing himself um, in special revelation as well. So, general revelation, special revelation. Those are your two. General will be Uh, history, the unfolding of the community, the survival of the Jews, the uh, survival of faith, all of these things, all the way to the things in your life. I listened to a a podcast recently by a man who used to be very, very far to the right. His studies have moved him now into an uncertain place. And he was asked, why are you still a Christian? And his response was, my experiences with him, I cannot explain any other way, but that there is a God. And I'm going, if that's what you got, hold on to it. Hold on to Jesus. General revelation can occur through history, our own consciousness, the church, which the scripture says is the pillar and ground of truth. But everything we know about the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we had to learn from other people, didn't we? General and special revelation. Special revelation, by the way, is things like the Bible, visions, prophets, that sort of thing. And, and the advent of Christ. So here's our, here's our question. We believe that God exists and that's why we exist. But Jean-Paul Sartre um, once said, one of the basic philosophical question is, why is there anything at all? And our response is, because there is a, a God and he willed it and he spoke it. And I will hold on to that till the day I die. Because that's a foundation. That's who God is. But have you noticed something about our God? From the very first chapter, very first chapter, there's no argument made for the existence of God. He is the ultimate reality. By the way, you physics nerds out there, 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Are you kidding me? There go our forces in physics. We have time, space, and energy and matter all in the first verse. It, it blows my mind. Uh, I get really excited about this. Cammy asked me to calm down, go to the other room. But it, from the very first verse, he is the ultimate reality. Deal with him. He does not argue. So what does he do? He shatters the nothingness and he speaks everything into existence. And everything that exists in the universe has been spoken into being except you. He made man and he made woman with his own hands. Out of the things he spoke into existence. We are part of the planet. And we are part of the universe. And we are part of God's family. Because God then shows Adam all the different animals and says, can you find a mate? And he goes, no. And he goes, that's the point. You're not an animal. He'll never find one. Because you look like an animal. You got skin on, but you're not an animal. You're something different. And he presents him then with Eve. Now we're not gods. We're not spirits entirely. We're kind of hybrid in a world in between. And that's the whole point. By the way, Christians who believe in six day creation take the forming of the universe very literally. It's fine. Some believe in a much older universe. And they also believe in forming just in a, a different way. Genetic shifting um, the direct contact with God in certain times in our development, whatever. But that's not something to fight about. The Bible tells the story of mankind choosing God and not choosing God. This tells us our stories and God's story. And our story when we got it wrong and our story when we got it right. I mean, there's that much leading up to our, our Savior. That's a lot. If you're on the podcast, you really can't see this. Uh, go get a Bible and look how much is given to the Old Testament and then how little is given to the four Gospels, which is really the point. But see, there's the thing. When you get to a climax in a novel or a movie, it's supposed to be a lot shorter than the rest of the movie. I wish people who love doing CGI combats and chase scenes would get that. Because after about five or ten minutes, I'm going, yes, you know how to use a computer. I get that. Where's the story? My father used to say, well, they ran out of ideas, so they have to lengthen the car chase. I am not the first in my family to look at things with a skeptical eye. And then Jesus comes, and this, what Sean read for us today, is sheer power and sheer poetry like nothing else you will ever read. Hebrews 1, 1 through 10, if you have not done so, Yet, today, read it. And read it with power and passion. God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets in a variety of ways. But now, in this day, speaks to us only through his son. Where's our revelation now? Through Jesus. When you get confused, what do you do? Look at Jesus. When there's a problem, what do you do? What would Jesus do? And you keep looking at him. There's no chance that you can do that perfectly. We come from a culture. We come from language. We, have, we bring our own baggage in. Something I, I taught to anybody who wanted to listen as we went through psychology work is that when a person comes in, they are not bringing just the problem. They're bringing everything. They're bringing family dynamics, histories, experiences, fears, politics, everything. They're bringing their history with them. 
And you trying to tinker on this over here is not going to help if you don't know this over here. It jaundices our eyes. And so is my view of Jesus perfect? No, but you know, I'm just confident enough in the spirit of God that I think it's getting better. And I think it's getting better not just us, with us, but at Ashbury College, it's getting all over. People are waking up and saying, Jesus. We're holding to Jesus. All through Hebrews, he says, God doesn't call the angels gods, but he calls Jesus God. God doesn't give the angels a throne, but he gives Jesus a throne. Jesus truly is our firm foundation. We're going to spend a lot of time in the next few weeks focusing on Jesus and how that changes everything. But let's give general revelation a look. Now, that's outside of Scripture. Paul said everything that can be known about God. In fact, he said everything there is that can be known about God can be found in his creation, which Alexander Campbell would then say there are two books that speak of God, nature and scripture. We don't hear about that very much in a lot of churches now, but it's very true. So when we see the complexity all around us and we marvel at design, we're engaging in something that has been called the argument from design. An atheist will often dismiss the argument, but I still think it's a valid one. And even great atheists like the late Carl Sagan, who was a firm atheist all the way through his life and to the very end, would write a book called Contact, where there's a little blip on a computer screen of four or five letters lining up, and he then decides there's alien life. And I'm going, um, Carl, have you looked at a longer story? It's amazing, but still. There are millions of examples of complexity of design that leads you to faith in a, in, a, in, a, in a creator. And I'm not using millions as hyperbole. Just a few. If the electromagnetic force, hang on, don't go away. This won't take long. It may hurt. If the electromagnetic force of atoms were, were weakened by a mere 4%, the sun would immediately explode. Because the diprotein would have a bound state which increases solar Luminosity by a factor of 10 to the 12th power. You didn't need to know that. But it would, it would explode. If it was stronger, there would be very few stable atoms. That's a bad idea. If protons were 0.2% heavier, protons were 0.2% heavier, they would decay into neutrons, being unable to hold on to electrons. So there'd be zero state, uh, stable atoms around structures such as DNA could not form because nothing could form. Science... Um, Science has pointed us to nature. And we see snakes that are not poisonous, but want you to think they are. And so they coil in leaves, and they rattle the leaves to make you think they're a rattlesnake. Bioluminescence, where a fish down where no light can be, has a, like the angler fish, has this little thing hanging over the front of them, where bacteria are eating food and give off light, and uses it as a way to attract things toward its big mouth. And that's how it eats. It's amazing. Bones and birds differ according to whether they're raptors or not. And you better get it right. We see this and we sing enthusiastically with the psalmist of Psalm 19. And I should have been turning to that already. I'm going to run well past my 30 minute allotment, I think. So uh, hang on, you know, get, get something to drink. There's a pause button for a reason. Um, Psalm 19 comes before 20, right? This is so slow. People should put this on a phone. Here we are. 
The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the works of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them at all. And yet, their voice goes out into all the earth. Their words to the end of the world. We see God in general revelation in history with the survival of the Jews. We see him in natural law expressed most beautifully by C.S. Lewis in his wonderful little book, Mere Christianity. We see natural law as the basis of our laws, our legal systems, or at least it was until the Robert Bork hearings in the United States where natural law was ridiculed by Senators Biden and Kennedy and removed as a part of American jurisprudence. And I don't think it's done well. I don't think that was a good move. In fact, now, if you're asked if you believe in natural law and say so, you're, you're pretty much automatically disqualified because we're just animals, evidently. Natural law is that part of you that cries out for mercy when injustice is done, that cries out for justice and action when injustice is done. And that springs from being made in the image of God. When it comes to special revelation, our Bibles or visions, we need to understand something about ourselves and our God. He is incredibly wise, far too wise, to data dump on Moses, a shepherd, and give him all the science about how the universe was created. It wouldn't work. It's like explaining quantum physics to a cricket. You can't. So what does God do? God uses the language that he knows and the culture that he knows and he teaches him poetry, symmetry, and song. And there's our creation. We should rejoice that God didn't just do a big data dump because then we wouldn't need a relationship with him. We need a relationship with him. We need the dance. We need the moving about. We need to date God and get to know him over a meal. We need to have a view of God that is understandable to us. And so we do. Jesus, the firm foundation. He is the author of our faith. He is our, our ground. He is what leads us forward. Jesus and only Jesus. Now, by the way, don't get confused out there. If you're thinking I'm saying that Jesus is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in some senses he is, but the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are three, yet they are also one. And if you're a scientist out there thinking, well, that makes no sense, you are not a physicist. <laughs> if you work in, in quantum physics, you know that three can be one and one can be three, and three can go through one without touching one. It's a lot of fun. Enjoy the ride. But our God is bigger than us, and therefore the rules don't look the same. So the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we hold on to Jesus. Isaiah 49, and I look down and I turn the wrong page again. You know, I'm new at this. Um, it's, it's, I'm struggling mightily this morning. Isaiah 49, 15 and 16. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast? This is God speaking to us, to a rebellious people. Can a mother forget the baby at her breast? Can she have no compassion on the child that she has born? Though she may forget, I will never forget. See, I have engraven you on the palms of my hands. And your walls, that's the story of your life, are always with me. 
That's God speaking to a rebellious people. Get God right. God is love. That's reality. Get that right before you approach any questions about issues in scripture. When we see Jesus, we're told that this is God. I believe that. And that this is what the book and the story have been about all along. And that gets very exciting. Jesus is called the word, the truth, and the life. The way, the truth, and the life. Also called the word of God. And once we read Jesus, we can go back and read the Old Testament and understand when people got it right and when they got it wrong. And we can learn from that. And then we can go further. We can start reading an Acts and going far, further. And there's no sacredness to the order of the books. So read them however you wish and see where people got it right and they got it wrong. Get Jesus right. Apply the Jesus filter. Now, a lot of you know about this because you use it every day like I do. Inside, I'm less of a Christian than I am outside. I think that's true of a lot of us. There are times I want to respond in a certain way and I have to run it through the Jesus filters. Anybody understand what I mean? Yeah. I, I said that once to some people and they said, you shouldn't talk bad about yourself. I said, I'm not. I think reality is rather important. Deal with reality. The reality is I will never be Jesus. I can never approach that level of holiness. But my offering into the universe, I need to run through the Jesus filter. Friends, when you read scripture, run it through the Jesus filter. Can you imagine Jesus saying this? Did they get it right when they made that decision? See how God loved us when we got it right and see how God loved us when we got it wrong and refused to give up on his people. I'll wrap it up here soon. I don't want to. I only work Sunday mornings. It's a long time. You guys know better because you write me and I respond. There's a classic movie that I don't know how long ago it was now called The Sixth Sense. And spoiler alert, you've had decades, all right? As you watch, something happens at the end and you go, oh, I thought I was watching this story, but that's not the story. This is the story. And, and I'm going to do this for the soundstage here. How many of you watched the movie and went, ah, and watched it again? Yeah. Yeah, a lot of hands. Because it was a different movie. It was a totally different movie. And you're going, how did I miss any of this? I've had people say, oh, I knew from the front. Liar. <laughs> and if you're not liar, you're so much better than the rest of us. We still don't like you. Is that all right? Is that fair? Okay, good. That didn't come through the Jesus filter. I'll work on that. Once we see the end, it changes everything. Once you see Jesus, it changes everything. And I know what we've been told, but what is true? Jesus is not the Bible. He is far, far above it. He is the one the Bible leads us to. And he cannot be reduced to a golden calf, an exhaustive creed, canon law, or a five-finger exercise showing plans and organizations and we are led to a living God who loves us who invites us to walk with him and be his children come on up John that's our foundation there is none firmer than that here I stand I can do no other